0: Welcome to our next episode on The Quorum Podcast, a podcast of the Center for Ancient Christian Studies. In this brief episode, Coleman Ford and myself have a brief conversation with Dr. Ed Smither. And During our time, we talk about Ed's new book on martyrdom, how early Christians viewed martyrdom, and even a few elements of how the modern church can benefit from these ancient accounts. We sure hope you enjoy this conversation.
1: Well, today we have Dr. Ed Smither here with us. We're excited to have him. We're excited to talk about his work, excited to talk about the things that he's passionate about. And of course we share a lot of common interests and uh, we've gotten to interact with Ed over the years. And so Sean and I are extremely thankful, Ed, for you coming and joining us today. Uh, just to give a quick introduction, I'm going to do the, the full kind of, uh, biographical introduction here. So, uh, here it comes. So uh, Dr. Ed Smither is Professor of Intercultural Studies and History of Global Christianity, uh, as well as the Dean of the College of Intercultural Studies at Columbia International University. Uh, and uh, if this is current, I believe it is, you still serve as the President of the Evangelical Missiological Society. Is that correct?
2: Yes, for about uh, six more months.
1: Okay, six more months. Okay, your Excellent. reign is coming to an end. Um, four more months, actually. <laughs> wow, so, four more months. Yeah. So is that, will you be voted out or how does that work? Is well, it, uh,
2: it's a three-year term of service, and so uh, so my three years are up, and I'm very happy for others to have the opportunity to to uh, lead EMS.
1: Great. Okay. So, will there be a a, a peaceful transition of power? Hopefully, there. And,
2: yeah, I you know, hope so. I mean, yeah. you know, we we've been. There's been lots of talking about calling up the national guard here lately. So, you know. and, we, well, and we actually have the meeting in Dallas. And so you, you oh, might wow. be on lockdown. So,
1: yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, uh, <laughs> you know, of all those things, uh, it's also good to highlight that Ed has uh, served for 14 years, uh, in intercultural ministry within uh, North Africa, France, as well as the U S. Uh, but of course he's probably most proud of his family, his wife, Sean and his three kids, Brennan, Emma and Eve. And, uh, just Again, we're just happy to have you here. Love to have this conversation. Uh, and what we want to know most of all, Ed, is since we've all kind of been on this lockdown mode or at least working from home, uh, what is the one thing that has gotten you through this season the most? And specifically, what, what coffee-type beverage has gotten you <laughs> through is. the season the most?
2: Yeah, well, our, our standby, my wife and I, we, we, we huddle every morning with usually some Starbucks Italian roast. Oh, um, I see. And at the beginning of the lockdown, I would make the early 7 a.m. run to Walmart with the people who were happy to wear masks and stand six feet apart. Um, Excellent. And occasionally they were out of the Italian roast, but I uh, have to do something <laughs> like Gold Coast or what. But, uh, <laughs> I will easy. say there's a really nice coffee shop called Inda Coffee in Colombia. It's my favorite that, um, that uh, I haven't been able to go to in a while. So hopefully... If
1: they're yeah, we're all itching to go back to our favorite coffee shops, aren't mm-hmm. we? I mean, uh, yes, I've, we I've made I've made specific trips to my local shop, but mm-hmm. the drive-through has only been open. They're just now opening it up. Uh, but anyway, so uh, waiting for this lockdown to end, if nothing else, to avail ourselves of quality coffee once again. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, well, Ed, we just, we'd love to hear from you. I mean, you know, you've, you just put out a new book on Christian martyrdom, uh, specifically it's titled Christian Martyrdom, A Brief History with Reflections for Today, and that's available on Cascade Books, which is an imprint of Wiffenstock. Uh, we'd love to hear about this book. Tell us a little bit how this book came together, a little bit of the, the desire behind this book, what you're hoping to accomplish with this book, and just give our listeners a summary of, of what's inside this text.
2: Yeah, sure. That's a, I hope I can remember all that while I'm answering, but... Um, I was I was working in, in 2017 18 was working on another book on kind of a survey of mission history and the editor that I was working with suggested uh, because martyrdom and suffering comes up a lot in the narrative of mission history uh, and the story of the church that that I write something on martyrdom and I wasn't planning on it um, but parallel to that because I've been you know teaching history of global Christianity and mission history for about 12, 13 years now. Um, it's just something that we have a lot of conversations about. And, and so you, you know, kind of on one end of the spectrum, you have kind of the Fox's book of martyrs that, um, Christians have always suffered everywhere. And, um, and we realize that an honest look at history is we see that it's, it's uneven, um, that, um, but on the other end of things, you know, we respect a scholar like Candida Moss, but when she wrote her book in 2013, The, the Myth of Persecution, it, it's almost as if it's that narrative is trying to be erased from the story of Christianity. And so part of, part of this was just to kind of reflect a little bit uh, on that. Um, I think the bottom line, um, this, the, really my, the, the audience that I had in mind for this was more of a pastoral church audience. Um, and really kind of the point is, is that suffering and even martyrdom um, is, in terms of history, it's been normal to the Christian experience. Uh, we worship a suffering servant who suffered. We, um, the early church suffered. Um, and so that's been part of it. And then um, kind of the three claims that I make in the book um, you know, in martyrdom, uh, we we I don't forget the order that I put it in. We we witness, we are prophets, and we worship, um, and um, and that just also just kind of grew up in my reading of Christian history and and the accounts of suffering and martyrdom. So um, um, so I, I would say it's just kind of been a theme that's been humming in the background of of my study of. Christian history over the last 15 years, my conversations with my students, and then, um, and then you know, the idea for the book came from uh, an editor friend.
1: Well, that's great. And I, I mean, as uh, you've know, been reviewing the book and looking through it, I mean, it seems as if, and you even mentioned this, right, the book is geared toward a lay audience, someone who might be interested, maybe they've heard some things through the Twitter verse about oh Christian martyrdom, not that big of a deal really was just kind of a lot of hagiography, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but then you provide some reflections on martyrdom for the 21st century. And I think it's, I mean, for most Christians should know, hopefully they know that, you know, uh, there's been more martyrdoms within the 20th century, 21st century, than all the centuries previously combined. Right. And so, uh, the idea of martyrdom, right. Was much more maybe, uh, uh, present in uh, the literature and in the ethos, perhaps, of the early church, especially as you read it. Um, but any thoughts on why that may not be as prevalent, maybe in a Western sense, why we are not thinking about martyrdom, perhaps as much as you know the first few centuries of the church were?
2: Yeah, well, that's a big, good question. I mean, I think um, we live in a free society, And even um, in in even the the last election that we had, one of the the biggest concerns of Christians was preserving religious liberty. Um, And if we transport ourselves back into the world of the early church, let's let's think about the fourth century church in Persia uh, under a Zoroastrian king who, even after Constantine, wrote him a letter and said, hey, would you be good to the Christians in Persia? Um, he really real, just kind of pressed his thumb on down on them even harder. And, uh, I, I think in the mind of fourth century Persian Christians, I don't think they were, I think they they'd like, they'd like religious liberty, but I don't think they saw that as their entitlement. Um, and so we, we are very blessed to have freedom. Um, and sometimes what we call suffering in our day is, is certainly not the suffering that Perpetua and Felicitas saw in the, in the third century in Africa or, or, or or others experienced. But um, um, we definitely, I think in the Western church, it's, it's a distant idea. Whereas for the global church, I mean, I think, I think this was brought front and center to us in 2015 when the, when the 21, the Coptic martyrs uh, were, um, were visibly put to death in Libya. And um, or even, it, um, you know, uh, even an American like Andrew Brunson, who spent uh, over two years in a Turkish prison for serving the Lord, that that comes closer, maybe to home for us. But um, so, um, yeah, I think it, it, it's not in our daily experience. Uh, so um, we tend to think about it as back then. And, and, and we get surprised when when an American like Andrew Brunson goes to jail this can't happen. This is illegal. You know, this is a violation of rights. Um, and I would say the early church wasn't always asking that question. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Right. And I think, yeah, it makes sense because it's it's a spiritually formative environment as well. I mean, martyrdom being uh, in some senses the, mo- the most prevalent, or at least the the highest way in which one can identify with their savior, right? Who, died on our behalf, right, who, um, you know, asked those who would follow him, right, to take up their cross and and follow him. So uh, just, yeah, thinking about that, I mean, it is, it seems as if we're really able to give a lot of lip service in some ways. I don't mean to put this down in some of the ways that we preach and talk about it, but in the sense of, okay, take up your cross and follow me uh, as a call for discipleship. But in the early church, there seemed to be a real serious understanding of that call. Uh, and of course, as you mentioned, it's uh, it wasn't all the time that people were being persecuted, right? As you have the Fox Book of Martyrs that made that case. Uh, but there were serious and intense times where that did happen, right? So um, yeah, So I mean, I really appreciate how you've drawn this out in your work overall. Uh, and we could talk more about how your work uh, in a, helping people understand Christian missions and and specifically missionary endeavors throughout history. Um, I, I mean, we could go all day, Sean, I'd love to see what questions you have for Ed, anything that you want to just kind of pick his brain. Yeah, up. no, absolutely. There, there was a couple of questions that
0: kind of piqued um, my interest as you were talking there, and even kind of reflecting a little bit in your book. I'd be curious to hear you reflect on the interrelationship of spirituality and martyrdom, and what, what's the intersection here, not only for the audience who's watching some of these martyrdom events, but even how some of the martyrs, um, uh, maybe even self-described, um, some of their accounts of persecution and how they tie those to their own spirituality or the spirituality of the community?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I you know probably uh, the first thing that comes to mind is is and I know Montanism is a controversial uh, topic, uh, but African Montanism in that followed Tertullian and others and you know per- Perpetua and Felicitas were, were part of the a- African Montanist group, um, and they did see uh, they did embrace suffering. They and in in some ways it troubles me uh, when I read it. It's almost like they were looking for it. And of course, as we look at African church history, it does there are extremes there, no doubt, there. And so we need to come back into line and, and, and read scripture about that. Um, but I think um, let's go back to someone like Tertullian for a moment. It's interesting to see how um, eschatology develops during this time, because really, in, until, up until the time of Tertullian, there's very much a kind of, the, the Lord is coming and we are we are in the last days and and that's going to follow even um even through patrick's ministry in the um 4th and 5th century in ireland he he was a last days thinker and so um so in a sense i i think maybe how how someone viewed um you know their place in the world now versus what is to come there there was much more of a sense of immediacy i think on the part of uh um, you know so that that's Kind of my, my my first thought about that um um i am intrigued when i read the accounts and of course you know we we all deal with texts and we you know we realize that that authors have bias and and this is the the same um uh standards of historiography don't really aren't really at play today as, as there were in in, in, the, in the early church but but when I look at uh, sacred biographies and, and martyrdoms in that, um, I see this as concrete models of teaching um, faithfulness in the Christian life. And so, so we'll have someone like Augustine who preaches a dozen or so September 14th sermons, uh, remembering the the faith and the life of Cyprian. Uh, this develops into the consciousness of the church, and so, um, so. You know, both in, in terms of there there is the story, you know, we go back to Perpetua and Felicitas for a moment. Um she tells us that that one of the people in the jail uh is believing because of their witness. Um and it does seem that in the broader Roman society, I mean there were debates about this, that 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 there was virtue in people dying for what they believed. Um and it and and again, I don't want to say, oh. You know, people misuse, I think, Tertullian's words, the blood of the martyrs is seed. Um, but um, but it, it definitely, I think, had an impact. Why would people die for their faith? And, and what is the faith uh, that they're believing? And so we have the actual story itself. And then we have the memory of that through um, church buildings. Um, we, we have through sermons. Um, you know, in the Coptic tradition, there's the, there's the kind of the martyr tradition that's part of the liturgy. Okay. Uh, Talking about, it's not just their feast day, but it's actually there. It's sung in the liturgy. We have a bit of that in the Western tradition, let's say the Anglican tradition. Um, But yeah, there, there is, I just think a sense of, of uh, who we are in this world and who are we following and, and they're following a suffering savior. And, um, um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll stop there.
0: No, it's, well, it's really helpful. It's really helpful to, uh, to hear you reflect on that. Um, and even as I asked the question, my, like, kind of the two martyrs that, that popped up in my mind were Blandina
2: mm-hmm.
0: and how Blandina's example served as a means of strengthening the faith of those who were with them. Um, mm-hmm. And then, I, and I'm really glad you touched on this because it, it's even leading into my the next question of Augustine preaching. Mm-hmm. Um, on um, martyrdom accounts or martyrdom reflections. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what are ways in which um, kind of the church can recover some of these voices of history, maybe even reading together martyrdom accounts, maybe even having teaching sessions on martyrdom accounts. <coughs> what, what, are, what are some reflections that you might have on how we as a 21st century church um, can recover some of these ancient voices.
2: Yeah, well I mean um I, I think probably the um uh, the feast days, um the Book of Common Prayer, um it, it every every week um uh, in the in the Anglican tradition there there is there's usually even just a few minutes of remembering um martyrdom uh, martyrs and, 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 and saints. Um, and so I think that's something that's already in play. Um, but I think for non, um, uh, well, I think all traditions are liturgical, but in non-liturgical, you know what I'm saying, liturgical traditions, um, yeah, I, I think that it's it's good to remember that. And, and, you know, the church calendar does help us with that. Um, I think... Um, I think also uh, kind of tied into a lot of times in, in some churches, November is a, a month of, of for the persecuted church, um, and especially I think today, um, giving voice, you know, a, a lot of the, a lot of the, you know, something like Fox's Book of Martyrs. It's 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 a lot of um, people that we know in the Western tradition, but most of the people that suffer today. Um, we don't know their names and, and they don't have power and no one's coming to get them. Uh, and so remembering those, um, uh, I mean, just as an example uh, several years ago in a class I was teaching, there were two, um, during the semester I was teaching, there were two women in Iran that were in prison for their faith. And we just made a, a kind of a commitment as a class, um, that we would pray for them every class. And by God's good favor, um, I think toward the end of the semester, they were actually freed and we got to mm-hmm. celebrate that. And we got to, that in a sense to join with them in their suffering, to mourn with them in their mourning and their sorrow, um, and, uh, to give them a voice and, and to remember, you know, that this is going on. So.
0: Yeah, no, that's excellent. What, what in your, in the course of you writing this book, um, and i I love the kind of the table of contents you you You, you touch on different facets um, or maybe different angles by which the the martyrdom accounts maybe are portrayed or that they highlight and I, i'd be be curious to hear you reflect on maybe one um, martyrdom account that that kind of stood out, maybe ones that one that hit you anew this time, even if you're familiar with it. Um, maybe even struck you anew on either historical detail, even piety, kind of how it how it can hit you that way
2: yeah well um, if I could answer it a little bit differently um, mm-hmm. I, I I think what what uh, one of the things that drove my thinking for this book was um, how well catechized people were to where it, you know in in the structure of the Roman um, the trial you know there you know you often have um prosecutors that are just saying just, you know just honor the gods, and we can get this over with but but one of the things that I see kind of almost as a refrain in the martyrdom accounts is um and that's really kind of the 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 driving force behind the chapter in in martyrdom we witness is um I feel like people are handing back the creed. Um, um, and of course that would resonate with, you know, with some views of, of, of the baptism of blood. Um, you know, someone like a, a Tertullian would write about, but they, they knew their faith and they declared it pretty articulately. Um, and that's, that's pretty inspiring. And, and, and while I think about that um, I think about the 2015 Coptic martyrs in, in Libya, um that that their last words on their out of their mouths were were Yeshua, lord jesus lord jesus have mercy on me and even in the time that they were arrested the 40 or so days that they were kept um they were very oral people they were part of the choir in the coptic church and they sang the liturgy and so um i think that's that's a good discipleship strategy to have the word of god and to have a creedal structure to express their faith. So,
1: man, well, you know, the, the conversation around Christian martyrdom, as I mean, as you've tried to introduce people with this book, um, really could go on for days and weeks and months and years until the Lord returns uh, and the martyrs are vindicated, right? And we just seem to have the picture of uh, those martyrs around the throne as you read Revelation and just uh, the hope of martyrs um, as they look to. Uh, the coming of the Lord Jesus, even as you mentioned with the Coptic martyrs um, professing Jesus uh, as their dying breath. I mean, what a beautiful image that's been perpetuated throughout the centuries with uh, martyrs um, in in different parts of the world. As we begin to close our conversation here, Ed, again, thank you so much for entertaining our questions here and helping us think more richly about this topic. Um, and as our listeners to the podcast uh, typically fall within a range of you know, interested lay people, maybe they're in this, uh, ministry, pastoral leadership, uh, or they're all the way on the spectrum of scholars, researchers in the areas of early Christianity, which is kind of a broad spectrum there, but still um, would love for you to just kind of uh, help our listeners understand and, and point the direction of, hey, okay, if we're going to start thinking more about martyrdom, what are some things that we should be reading? I know this was kind of a conversation we we talked about a little bit ago, but what are some things you would recommend them read besides your book? Of course, I mean, that's going to be a given, but uh, (laughs) to get, to get more into the topic from a lay perspective and even from a research perspective, I mean, I'm thinking about a, you know, let's just say there's a a student here that's greatly interested in understanding the facets of Christian martyrdom. Maybe they've read a few books and kind of gaining some perspective. How would you direct them in their study, in their course, in their journey towards understanding Christian martyrdom? What are some kind of pin drops along the way that you would give them?
2: Sure. Well, um, in a course that I teach, um, I do have students write about suffering and martyrdom. And I often, um, I, I do recommend Candy Moss's book, Ancient Christian Martyrdom, which uh, a, a nice, that's a nice Yale University book. Uh, uh, that came out, I think, in 2012, Um, um, and then, uh, and that's, that's obviously going to, that's going to take a a very fresh, critical look at texts and, and how we understand martyrdom. Um, I think more of um, uh, another book would be George Colansis' book, I think it's called Caesar and the Lamb, um, where, uh, where there is, you know, uh, the uh, accounts of martyrdom as well. And, uh, well, I think, um, you know, I think one of the, uh, you you guys are going to have to help me, but the, um, uh, it's, it's a 1972 Oxford university press book. It's just primary sources on, um, act, I I think acts of martyrdom is what it's called. So where you can actually, actually read through the literature itself. And so um Mercurillo is the author. There it is. And so that's a, a yeah, that's a primary source uh reader and some of those accounts we question them. Um but this is all in the DNA of the church and so um um you know we we may take a critical approach to Perpetua and Felicitas today but but um and, and going going to what I would just say Augustine accepted the fact that Perpetra and Felicitas were martyrs and preached about them. I think um, you know, I would look at um um in Augustine's sermons, there there are a lot of martyr sermons. Um so in the um New City Press, works of Augustine series, there's a whole volume um uh, just about on on sermons devoted to martyrdom and how the churches remembered martyrs. So um, and, um, you know, I, I think, um, there's a book that I read in the, in the, in fact, I'm going to have to look it up real quick, the, the, the source, but, um, uh, it's just called the 21 mm. and it's actually written by a German journalist, um, about the, the whole story of the 21 martyrs. 20 of them were Egyptian. One of them was Ghanaian, um, and they were working together and it's kind of their story, their village that they came from, uh, their families and backgrounds. And so it's a, um, it's a really good account of, of of their lives. So that's more on the, on the more of today. Um, you know, it's, it's a well-written account, but it's, it's not a scholarly text. So.
1: Well, that's great. And, and again, that, that covers the basis of those who are really looking to dive deep into the more academic um, study of Christian martyrdom, the history and theology. Uh, but we are also yeah, love for any listener, uh, those who are um, simply just interested in the idea of martyrdom, to, to dive in and to begin thinking about both the current day conversation and how uh, those who are professing the name of Jesus Christ are still being persecuted and, and murdered and, and killed for their faith. Uh, but then, of course, how that has played out through history. And so, again, Ed, thank you so much. Thank you for helping us think through this topic. Thank you for the conversation that you've uh, provided, that you've afforded with us here today. We just want to commend those who are listening uh, to Ed's new book, Christian Martyrdom, A Brief History with Reflections for Today, as well as uh, the profuse number of other writings that he has on uh, Christian mission and uh, early Christianity. I know I've really benefited from his work on Augustine, and mentorship. And so there's just a whole range of things that Ed has written on, and I know he's going to continue writing on a lot of things. And so we look forward to what's next with Ed. And in the meantime, we encourage you to look him up, uh, reach out to him, maybe send him a bag of uh, Starbucks coffee, and uh, we'll see what happens <laughs> after that. <laughs> so, thanks so much. Uh, thanks Adam. again. Yeah. Thank have a good you. one, Ed. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you guys.
0: We hope you enjoyed this discussion. Be sure to check us out at ancientchristianstudies.com.